Now it's time for our regular sports show, Game of Two Halves, every Monday at 5.15pm, where we host the sports podcasters from The Straits Times. Today we have with us assistant sports editor Rohit Bridgenath and sports reporter Nicole Cha. We also have with us a very special guest, digital editor of the new paper and Liverpool fan, Jonathan Roberts. John, thanks for joining us. First, we have to ask you, as a Liverpool fan and someone from Merseyside, how does it feel? Liverpool's first title league in 30 years. Uh, it's It's been amazing. Uh, it, to be honest, it's not so much celebration at the moment. It just feels like the weight has been lifted. You know, it's been 30 years and mm. it, it's, it's shocking to me that I've spent 20 of them in Singapore. Especially when the first 10 felt so, they felt the longest. That was when everything went wrong in the 90s, so, so to speak. Uh, and yeah, that felt like a much longer time. But um, it's just marvelous. And you know, coming from Liverpool, it's it's it's, it's so good for the city because I mean, this, this is this is such a different kind of team. It's a different kind of manager, mm. and this is this is a team really playing for the city. I mean, not that they did before, but you know, they have murals to clock now. I was back there last year, and that there are you know murals in the street to clock with the you know the the words this means more underneath it, which is, I mean, you could say it's a slogan, but it, it, it really does mean more to the city. Winning the first league title in 30 years, does it feel a bit surreal? I wouldn't say surreal. Mm. I mean, I, I, I came to Singapore when, you know, the, the height of Manchester United fever was here. You know, we had, you know, bars dedicated to Manchester United and shops. Everyone seemed to support Manchester United. Um, so I've seen changes in the football landscape here, but it's—I wouldn't say surreal. It's just—it's just great that it's happened. <laughs> I, can't, I can't express it more than that. And, and the strangest thing was is that, especially watching Jurgen Klopp's reaction. I mean, this video's gone viral of him mm, in tears yeah. after the match, and watching it, I—it really got me. And I, I was like, a whole lot. I've got the old hot eyes going as well. And it was especially after you know he, he, Jurgen put out this very level-headed message, you know, when the league was suspended, you know, mm-hmm. that even went against the the whole Shankly ethos of you know uh, football's more important than anything else, uh, you know. And he was very level-headed, but seeing the emotion there, that that, that was that was wonderful. And so, what do you think has changed over the last few years for Liverpool to get here? Well, I mean, we've come close before mm. I, mean, I think let's not forget 2014 but for a slip on the field we could have been champions in 2014 under Brendan Rodgers which seems more surreal at the moment uh, but Jurgen Klopp is just such a different manager it's such a different team I, I've not seen a manager like him I, he, he's not this kind of like stoic you know old uh, fist bump on the shoulder kind of thing to the players it's all hugs mm. and that's the biggest change it was all hugs and it's camaraderie and it's it's and you you see the the energy in the team as well that this is a such more emotional element to than it we've as ever well. had. Mm. there is there is and I, i'm not really one for the old emotion you know uh being a big old manly man that i am but this is just <laughs> It's wonderful to see, and it, it, I've not seen any manager like him have that rapport with the players. Be you know that 
you know, hug, the the hugs, the smiles, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not just, you know, oh, well done you. You know, he spends time with each one of the other match, and it's, it's just such a different team. And, yeah, they're a more exciting team as well. They've got so... They're dangerous all the time, and it's wonderful. And let's not forget, speaking of emotion, but let's talk about atmosphere as well, because... Liverpool fans were celebrating this victory in a very, very unusual environment. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. As much as I loved seeing the parade for the Champions League uh, victory parade last year, that's like, you know, originally was meant to be one hour stretched into six because the bus just couldn't get past. That was amazing. But this, yeah, it tarnished it a little bit. Uh, I was not a big fan of seeing the mess that they mm. left at the pier head, which was, again, come on. Now, I've got one more question for you, John, before we get to the halfway point, and that is, do you think this is a one-off? Or what's next for Liverpool now? What's next? I, I think it's building. What Jurgen Klopp has done is build teams. I think people say, no, it's, you know, it's going to be like a Leicester thing. If it happened last year, and we've got the Champions League and the Premiership. Maybe, but even then, it's about building. This is not a one-off team. Mm-hmm. There may be some who leave. Who knows? But you've seen the way that Jurgen Klopp can replace people and replace them with even better people. I mean, you know, there's plenty of uh, people who've gone past, and, and you just say, "Oh yeah, they used to play for us." You know, I don't know, one time they seemed so vital. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this is about building. May not win the league again next year, but we're going to be in the top two, I think. Well, <laughs> thanks. Not too presumptuous. <laughs> thanks, Jonathan. It's been great hearing from you on this. Oh, thank you. No, thank it's you. been a pleasure. Still in a reverie. We've reached the halfway point of the podcast. If you'd like The Straits Times game of two halves, you can listen to us live on Money FM 89.3 from Monday at 5.15pm. Or you can subscribe to hashtag a game of two halves on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify and like us and give us a rating. Now back to the second half of our conversation with our Straits Times sports podcasters. And something else that's been going on in the world of international sports is the backlash over the Adria Tour, organised by men's tennis world number one Novak Djokovic. Now, the exhibition series, meant to bring some of the world's top tennis players to the Balkans, saw some of these top tennis players contracting COVID-19, including Djokovic himself. Nicole, can you give us a summary of the backlash and whether you think it's warranted? Um, yeah, sure. So the criticism comes from the fact that, you know, the safety measures, if you can even call them that, were very lax at the Adria Tour. So they were meant to be four stops at the event, which is an exhibition series from 13th June till 5th July. And that has obviously been cancelled now because the coaches and players have tested positive for COVID-19. You know, other than Djokovic and his fitness coach, some of the other tennis players who were infected are Victor Troisi mm-hmm. and Grigor Mitrov. So stop, there was no required testing for servants and then safe distancing wasn't practiced. There were barely any face masks. The players were in super close contact with so you know, we're talking about them exchanging hugs, tackling one another during a basketball game, you know, taking photos in group huddles with fans and 
it would all be perfectly fine and normal during a non-coronavirus time. But I think, you know, we can all agree that living in a pandemic is not exactly fine and normal, right? Mm. And Yvette also had a kid's day. From the photos I saw, there were a lot of children and they didn't seem like they were being spaced the same distance apart from each other during the drills or activities. So, yes, like me, I think the criticism is definitely warranted because, you know, an athlete like Djokovic, who is this high profile, who has huge mm-hmm. following, he definitely should have known better. You know, these athletes are also yeah. often held up as role models to their peers and to younger athletes. And, you know, the actions are just irresponsible and it just gives the impression that they are not taking the fact that there's a pandemic seriously enough and as public figures who have to reach an engagement and ordinary people, I think that's really a shame. Yeah, and Nicole, that's a really important point. Rohit, how do you think these athletes should be using their influence and voice in times of crisis like this? Look, I mean, I think it's an incredibly <clears throat> profound, profound time in the world and it's a profound time for athletes as well. I, I just want to shift away from Djokovic for a minute. You know, the National Women's Soccer League started on Saturday in America and all the players from both teams took to the field wearing Black Lives Matter t-shirts and then they sort of kneeled during the anthem. So there's a point here. The point is that athletes have a voice. You know, there was a famous broadcaster in America who told LeBron James, why don't you shut up and dribble? But he said, no, he's going to have his own opinion. And I think it athletes should have their own opinions. And I, from my own experience, I've never found athletes to be dumb jocks and I don't like that stereotype. Mm. I think, you know, they are very often well-informed and uh, well-read people who have things to say. But, and I've seen a lot of that happening now, even Koko Goff, who's a 16-year-old tennis player, you know, is speaking out very sensibly. So when something, when Djokovic does what he does, I think it hurts athletes, you know, and it hurts what they're trying to do. You know, as even said recently, personally, I am opposed to vaccination, and I don't know whether this is the time to be for him to be saying things like that. You know, he's, uh, he's the president of the ATP Player Council, is the best player in the world. And I think the behavior of this tour, as uh, Nicole uh, explained just now, I thought was a bit reckless. And it's not what I would expect from an athlete today, a mm. leading athlete today. You have to know better. You have to know there are people listening. You have to know you have influence and you've got to be smarter. And he wasn't. Yeah, and, you know, staying on the topic of COVID-19 related sporting developments, and here in Singapore, um, over the weekend, Active SG indoors sports hall were closed. Nicole, what was the reason for this closure? Um, they were closed as time out because the authorities found that a group of badminton players at one of the venues flouted for Singapore's safe management measures. Mm. So what happened was, you know, they they up to six courts on that day at the Jurong East indoor sports hall, and they were mingling with one another across the different courts. And for badminton, a person kept per court. And this group had 29 people. And one of the players from that group later tested positive for coronavirus. And because you know, of the intermingling, it meant that more people had to be quarantined after that. And you know, the man who was infected, he, he joined the group for the first time this year. He signed up through this social platform called Meetup where you can you know, join activities based on your interests. The organizer of the session said they never intended to breach the rules because they felt that some elements of the guidelines were unclear. So they're going to stop organizing such sessions for the moment. So the Jurong East Indoor Sports Hall, it was closed on Saturday and Sunday, while the others 
were closed just on Sunday, which is yesterday. But the purpose of doing this, you know, spot as you said, is that it hopes the users of these facilities take the time to reflect, you know, and exercise individual responsibility and, you know, hopefully take some time to understand the rules of, of the safe management measures. How did users react to the closure, though? I mean, were they overall quite understanding, you know, that this is in the interest of safety and health? Yeah, I mean, they were understanding, of course, and disappointed as well, because badminton, you know, is, has been in high demand since the phase two started when sports facilities were open. And so actually there's disappointment, but they also understood, you know, the, the reason for the closure. I mean, one of the coaches who was supposed to have coaching at one of the, the venues, you know, he would have lost maybe between 90 to $120 for that two-hour private mm. session. But, you know, he said this is for the good of everyone. You know, if, if people are not following the rules, then the venues wouldn't be safe for him and his students and their families. So I think this closure, you know, while the users are disappointed, they will be prompted to go study the guidelines more closely and make sure they're not breaking any rules. And, you know, the facilities open again today and sport industry is implementing new stricter measures to make sure that the users follow the rules you know so one example is issuing colored wristbands to be worn by players to identify the different groups there goes the final whistle on our sports discussion of the week and we hope you've enjoyed listening to us glad to have you both on the line rohit and nicole thank you again for joining us thank you thank you